Welcome to the Career Fluencer Podcast. This is Colin Cernelia. I am founder of the Talent 409 Leadership Academy, currently based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. athletes, fresh graduates from college, and they cannot articulate the value that they have. And I'm sitting across the table, just like want to shake them and say, no, you have it in you just because you don't have internships, just because you weren't quote unquote working like a traditional student would have been like, doesn't mean that you don't have value. Sports was always at the forefront of what I'd love to do. I played Baseball from the time I could play t-ball when I was five years old, ended up playing soccer, basketball, would play any backyard sports. We used to play street hockey. For me, the only clear image in my head throughout the first 22 years of my life was that I was eventually going to play for the New York Yankees. Obviously, <laughs> didn't end up happening, but that was the only like career path where I could actually see myself doing something and being fulfilled and being happy. I mean, it's like a kid's dream, obviously, so it makes sense, but I was a little confused. I went into college and just really had no direction for where I wanted to go. I was still playing baseball. So I still had that, even though I pretty much knew that dream of playing professionally wasn't going to happen. It was still lingering. Was never able in those first like 22 years when you're in school and you know, you're supposed to, I feel like there's a lot of pressure to figure that stuff out. I, I was never the type of person that could do that. And so you know, I was working at restaurants through high school, through college, just trying to figure out things that I liked, things that I didn't like. I didn't like restaurants per se. Like I didn't like the long hours. I didn't like the rude customers. The pay was low. So that was one of the things when I said, okay, if I'm not going to be in restaurants for the next 10, 15 years of my life, like this was just to get me through high school and college. What can I do from a career path standpoint? We grew up, my parents, uh, we, were, we were middle class, like we didn't have all the money in the world, but we had enough money, food on the table, roof over our heads, go on vacation once a year to, to the beach and everything. But when I was in elementary school, I grew up with a lot of kids who lived in trailer homes and had less fortunate lives than I did at that time. And I was at a young age, really exposed to people that you know were struggling, people that didn't have great home lives. And not only did it make me appreciate my life more and my family and my parents and my brothers and, and everything, but it also just kind of opened me up to wanting to help those people. Looking back, even though it's not a direct correlation, that was something that definitely impacted me when I was a kid, just to know that those kids who were my friends didn't have the same opportunities that I had because they came from a situation that you know wasn't, wasn't their upbringing. They didn't choose to be there, but you know, you're born into a family and you have to make the best of it. So, uh, I mean, I had mentors and again, my support system from my family that that was always there, but a lot of it, I just had to figure out on my own. My first job was at a fortune 500 insurance company. You would think that, Hey, this is the opportunity of a lifetime, but I was cold calling 50 plus times a day, trying to get people to sign up to be financial advisors in a 100% commissioned role. <laughs> definitely wasn't anything like I expected it to be. I definitely was being a little bit picky with the type of full-time job that I wanted. Job hunting can sometimes be its own job in itself. So again, I was still working at the restaurant. I was working 25, 30 hours a week, bartending and serving. I'd actually interviewed for the job that I ended up getting with that Fortune 500 company. Didn't get the job. Found out later that I had finished as a runner-up. And because I had like 
sent a thank you note to the general manager who I interviewed with. He was the hiring manager and I had made a really good impression during the whole interview process. He had kept my name in the back of his head. They had a second position open up probably like three months after that. He called me up on the spot. I've never had this happen again. <laughs> so it's crazy that it happened for like my first full-time job, but he was like, if you want it, it's yours. And I was like, yes, like absolutely. This is the job that I, I've wanted to be in this, this type of work. Like I haven't gotten an opportunity from anyone else. So sign me up. And I was there two weeks later once I gave my notice to, to the restaurant. So, and then I got into it and it was again, banging your head against the wall, making all these cold calls, people laughing at you, rejecting you. It was nothing like that. And I started to question myself. I was like, what did I get myself into? Like, am I actually doing something that I'm passionate about? And what I realized was that a couple of things, insurance wasn't something I was particularly passionate about. So I knew I needed to change the industry. That was that was a big starting point. I couldn't get behind the insurance stuff. I don't know if it was the company or just the type of the work that they do in the industry in general, but I just could not get behind it. It became a very sales type job. I didn't realize how much sales was involved in recruiting. And I think that was the best lesson I could have learned in my first full-time job because now I realize how important sales is in pretty much every position, whether or not that's part of your title, you're pretty much always selling, whether you're selling the company, whether you're selling a product, whether you're trying to sell a candidate or a person to a hiring manager, there's always a level of selling going on. So for people that poo-poo on sales, I'm usually quick to tell them that it's a lot more important and it'll be a lot more helpful to you in your career than you might want to admit right now. And I totally get it. Like you don't want to be the sleazy sales cars person that you, know, you go to a networking event and you feel like you have to shower afterwards because it was such a bad experience. But there is a way to sell and a way to build relationships within selling that I think you can learn. And I think that was one of the biggest lessons that I learned as bad as that job was the valuable experience that you can get, whether it's you love it, you hate it, that you can get from from working. And I know not everybody is going to agree with this, that you should you know, just work to work. But some people don't have the ability to not work. Some people need to make money to survive. If you have an opportunity to learn, you might as well take it. Baseball was was my sport. And baseball is one of those sports where if you get a hit three times out of 10 at bats, you're considered a Hall of Famer. And to get a hit at all when it's 1v9 is really remarkable. So I'd already come from a background where failure <laughs> was a really big part of my life. But now to have it in the world where like I'm supposed to be able to make money and support myself. I just, I couldn't wrap my head around it. I was like, how, how do people do this? How, how do they deal with it? And you end up coming out on the other side, you work through it and you realize that you need to take it like into your own hands. Like if you're not happy about something, then you need to figure out what you're going to do to make it better. I think what would have helped me a little bit more with the transition was if I had realized more of those traits, like I mentioned how baseball is a sport of failure. So I had already been prepared for that, but I didn't realize it until it was happening. Being a team player, overcoming adversity, work ethic. Uh, athletes a lot of times are some of the hardest working people you'll ever meet. Those things, I, I just didn't, I didn't know how to translate them from the athletic field into the corporate world. And that was really what was the hardest thing when it really shouldn't have been. You just have to know how to articulate that in an interview setting. And that was the genesis for me starting my company. Like I said, sitting in those interviews and just being like, I can help these kids. I, I know I can. I just need to have the platform to do it. I never really consider myself 
a very creative person, a very innovative person. And working for that company really started to open me up for the first time to different ideas like entrepreneurial journeys and just what could I do to push the envelope a little bit more? How could I add more value than what I was doing on a day-to-day basis as a recruiter, somebody in HR, et cetera? And hey, this might be something I want to do I'm not 100% sure. I don't know any entrepreneurs really, and I don't really know much about business. Like I didn't go to school for business. Definitely played back and forth in my head for probably about a year. And then to be honest, I don't really know what the final push was to get it done, but it's just really missing sports in general and athletics and being around those type of people, speaking that lingo. Like the corporate world is a little bit more generalized and there's a lot of folks that aren't really motivated. They just want to come in, get a paycheck and go home. And that's totally cool. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but that's just not my personality. That's just not how I'm wired. So now I'm saying I can also take what I'm learning in the corporate world and apply it to sports in a way that I had never done before. Prior to me starting my own business, all of my sports development was physical. It was getting stronger, bigger, faster. There was very little like mental, cultural development side to everything. When it's your business, it's your baby. You're responsible for everything. So uh, it's kind of like Don Henley used to talk about the difference between his solo career and being in the Eagles. And he was like, I much prefer to be in the Eagles because when somebody makes a mistake in the Eagles, they all share the blame. Whereas in his solo career, he's solo you know, solely responsible for anything that goes wrong. He's also getting all the credit on the flip side, uh, but there's just a, a level of responsibility that comes with being a solopreneur at first before you're able to scale and to add employees and you know, those type of things. So that part of it has been very challenging and rewarding. Don't be afraid to ask people for help. Don't be afraid to ask people to share their stories. And in a way, I guess I was foreshadowing what I was going to end up doing on my podcast. I have a book coming out. I am so passionate about the work that I'm doing. And I believe so strongly in the work, not because it's it's me, but it's because of how it can help other people. That is like the greatest feeling is when it clicks on the other side and you see that person react in a way that they say, oh, I get it now. Like that is so powerful to know that when it's tough, that's what keeps me going. Just remembering why you're doing the work and being able to love the process. If you can't love the process, then you're never going to to get the end result. Like so many people want to be on the mountaintop, but they don't want to climb the mountain. Put that work in to deal with the setbacks, take two steps back, one step forward. It's not as glamorous to be an entrepreneur as people make it out to be. And I don't want that to be a detriment or to to say to someone that you can't do it, but you really need to, to ask yourself if you're serious about it, that you're going to take the time to commit to it. The majority of people that start something never end up finishing it. So where you can separate yourself is if you keep going. 